0: Amen. 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 Isn't it good to say thank you to the Lord for all he's done for us? Amen. Well, I want to certainly say uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Patterson, for this great opportunity. And Sister Patterson, I am uh, so thankful for this opportunity and honored by it. I bring you greetings from Bushwick, Brooklyn, uh, to uh, to the Patterson's and certainly to all of you here at Southwestern. I wanna say uh, uh, greetings from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Brooklyn is in the house. I'm gonna say that again, because some of you didn't catch it. Brooklyn is in the house. Well, before I get started, I just want to just a just a little bit of ground rules to make me feel like I'm at home. I'm gonna just ask. I'm gonna do a little uh, doctor day now. I'm gonna try to organize somewhat of a a choir here. So if we if if this could be the amen section, and this could be the praise the Lord section, and this could be the hallelujah section. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, Dr. Day, don't you have to have practice before they can come and sing? So let's, let's have a little practice. You're going to say? Amen. You're going to say? Praise the Lord. You're going to say? Hallelujah. There you go. So I love when I'm preaching, people talk back to me. It makes me know that you're not sleeping, you haven't Amen. gone off on me. Amen. So if you would, you know, whenever you, if you, you think I said something okay, you can All right, good, excellent, excellent. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, would you please turn with me to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, I've been uh, speaking to my family ever since I've been on the uh, trustee board about how wonderful the hospitality has been here, uh, Lady Patterson, and I've been raving about it. My kids are, Dad, when are we going to Texas? When are you gonna take us to Texas? I've been raving about how well I've, uh, every time I come here, I'm treated. And that being said, I just want to say thank you so much to Josh, uh, how he always takes care of us, and also to, uh, to Maggie. She's wonderful in um, just putting everything together and making me feel welcome. So I'm thankful for that. Mark chapter 15, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 15. Here begineth the reading of God's holy word. See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom of the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in the prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to, to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one called the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. For a few moments, I would like us to consider the thought, the kingdom's response to accusations, silence. The kingdom's response to accusations, silence. Lord, we thank you, dear God, for this opportunity, the opportunity to stand before these great people, Lord God, and to declare your word. I thank you, dear God, as your word is being declared, dear God, it accomplishes all that you've already set it out to do. Also, Lord God, I pray, dear God, that you cause me to decrease and your word and you be increased. I thank you, dear God, for all that you're going to do, that, Lord, those that are hearing will not just be hearers of your word, but they will put it into practice in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I uh in 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 preaching I like to paint a picture. I like to set the context for uh the scripture that we are uh, we're the the text that we're looking at this morning. And in setting that context, we understand from the writer Mark. I love the writer Mark. I love the Gospel of Mark. Why? Because Mark's gospel speaks of things happening immediately Mark talks about the idea of of things when Jesus in his ministry he does things immediately things happen immediately he spoke uh, as uh, actually Mark just read he spoke to to the demon and the demon had to leave the child he spoke to the, he did, spoke to the Syrophenian woman, and the demon left her child who was home. It happened immediately. I love how Mark puts that, because I don't know about you, but as a believer, I don't like waiting. When I pray, I want God to answer right then and there. It's just, you know, so I have a problem when God tells me to wait. And so, but when we read the Gospel of Mark, we see Mark having, portraying Jesus as this God, as this wonderful uh, Savior who, who does things for us instantaneously. Mark paints this picture of Jesus as I, when I usually preach for Mark, I think about Mark portraying Jesus as, as being a superhero. You know, when we're growing up, we know of superheroes with the S on the chest, faster than a locomotive, you know, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Mark sort of sets Jesus up as that type where he's able to do anything. So, you know, I, would, I look at what I preach for Mark. I look at Jesus being portrayed, you know, with a big J on his chest. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. And his name is? Peter. Come on, help me out, guys. His name is? Yes, that's the type of savior that we serve. We had a uh, uh, Dr. Day tell us this morning about the fact that Jesus is victorious because of the blood of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. We have the victory. I say we have the victory. There you go. We do. And so, so Mark in in in, his, in speaking, you wonder. You have to ask the question: Why does he portray, portray Jesus in this way? He portrays Jesus in his way because of the audience that he's speaking to. You have to understand that at this time, during being a Christian and being a believer in Jesus Christ, it's not necessarily like it's here in the States. You know, many of you were in this wonderful, lovely auditorium. It's nice and cushy, you're sitting in nice, comfortable seats. However, back then, they were being persecuted they were seriously being persecuted I know over at Mathena Hall we have the martyrs walk right well these Christians were actually seeing and, and 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 were 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 actually visualizing and seeing martyrdom right before their 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 eyes they actually had to being being a Christian meant that you really were picking up your cross and following Jesus Christ because it could mean your life So Mark writes to these believers to encourage them that this Jesus, even though you're being persecuted, even though you're going through struggles, even though you're going through hardship, this Jesus is able to deliver you. And so this is the Jesus that Mark portrays to us. Students, I know at times you're here in in seminary or in the college it may feel overwhelming and you wonder how in the world am I ever going to ever graduate or how I'm gonna get this 40 page paper done guess what Jesus is able to deliver he's able to give you the victory that's the type of Jesus that Mark represents here so if you're ever having difficulty call on the name of Jesus he'll help you to, to face those difficulties so Mark portrays Jesus as that victorious Christ, and so in our text we 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 see here that um, um, Jesus is knowing that his end is near. And in, uh, in the gospels, we're told that he enters into Jerusalem on an ass, sitting on the colt of an ass, and he comes in to shouts of Hosanna. He's entering into Jerusalem at this time because they are are having an annual festival this festival was to celebrate the deliverance of of Israel from the hands of Egypt so Jesus enters into this type of atmosphere it is a festive atmosphere you know I tell my church back home that when we come to church on Sundays it's really to celebrate We're there really to to celebrate. If you think about what what God did for the Jews in in taking them uh, through the Passover or them having the Passover, this is why they are now celebrating the Passover. It was a celebration. It was a festival. They were festive. Why? Because of what God had done for them. This is really why we come into church on Sundays. We come there to celebrate. We are there to worship. I know uh, many of us, you know, in our, I'm so tempted to walk around because when I, when I preach, I'm usually down here walking around. But um, uh, we are, we, we come into service to celebrate. What are we celebrating? Has anyone been delivered by Jesus Christ? Dr. Patterson, when you have your birthday, when, when Sister Pattinson puts on a birthday gig for you, right? You walk in and, and folk are there to celebrate you, correct? Usually they have smiles on, hopefully. And they will have a festive, they will dress festively and they have a festive demeanor. And they're, they're saying things to you like, happy birthday, Dr. Patterson." there's a big smile and there's a festive mood in the air, Correct? Praise the Lord, there there should be, right? When we come in before God, the Savior, the one who has redeemed us, we come into that service in an atmosphere. The scripture says when we enter into his gates, we ought to have thanksgiving in our heart. When we enter into his courts, we ought to have praise on our lips. Why? We're there to worship. We're there to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us. Doctor Day, yes, sir. when your choirs singing, do yes, when when they when they come to practice and you're practicing and you're singing, do they? Praise me. They're not allowed. To. They're, they're not allowed to. But then people won't hear them, right? So if we're we're celebrating on Sundays what Jesus has done for us, there ought to be some kind of noise. Amen. There ought to be some kind of active way of showing that we are there to celebrate what God has done for us. And so this is the kind of atmosphere that Jesus now enters into. They have this festival atmosphere because of the fact they're celebrating what God has done for them in the Passover. Scholars tell us that a part of the celebration that that took place at the time, they would have to slaughter a lamb. And they take took a census of the lambs that were in Jerusalem or at one time in Jerusalem and they it was it was recorded that over 250,000 lambs were in Jerusalem during the Passover 250,000 over 250,000 lambs slaughtered to have to try to deal with the issue of sin 250,000 lambs slaughtered for what one lamb did for us, Jesus Christ, our lamb. So this is why we celebrate, and this is why they were celebrating the idea that the Passover was here, the idea that they had been rescued from the bondage of Egypt. So in this, during this time, Jesus had now been talking to his disciples about the fact that I'm about to leave this place. I'm going to be going back to the Father. I'm going to have to to go through what those lambs have had to go through. I'm going to be slaughtered. I'm going to be crucified. And the disciples really didn't believe him or really didn't understand what 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 he was trying to relay to them. And so he says to them plainly that... I am going to be crucified. My life is going, I'm going to have to die. Peter, in response to this, says, absolutely not. And even if you do, Lord, I will never forsake you. So we look at Peter's response to now accusation. In Mark chapter 14, it tells us that Peter enters, or Jesus is now arrested and he's being taken, uh, to, 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 to meet or, or to stand before uh, the, the ruling class and Peter follows behind not knowing really what's going to happen and the scripture tells us that a young lady in the courts recognizes Peter and he says yes you you're one of the, uh, uh, the followers of Jesus Christ and Peter says absolutely not I don't know what you're talking about he does this three times And then the cock crows. Peter's response to being accused was to deny Jesus Christ. But it's interesting when we look at that, we usually look at that in a negative way, right? Because we think that you didn't have enough courage to stand up when you were asked if you were a follower of Jesus Christ. But if you think about it, Peter, if you think about it in a different way, Peter looked like Jesus he looked like he was a follower of Jesus Christ remember now Peter didn't say I follow Jesus she identified him by his look and the way he spoke let me ask you a question if there were to be an inquiry or if there were to be a, a examination of your life would there be enough evidence to say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ could you be accused of being a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, in this case, Peter was. She says, you, you, you look like. You follow Jesus Christ. You speak like. You follow Jesus Christ. I know many here were here uh, being trained theologically. And we are, we're, 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 we're wanting to draw closer to God by, by drawing closer, by learning more about his word. And really what we're doing is we're, we're learning to really more emulate Jesus Christ. Peter had enough evidence that this young lady accused him of being a follower. This is really where we want to be. We want to have people accuse us of being followers of Jesus Christ. We want on our jobs for them to say, wow, that, that Leo Day, he's different. He doesn't act like we do. And he seems to have this, this way of the, when even when trouble comes his way, he's able to call on his Savior Jesus who delivers him. They, we, we want people to be able to look at us and say, there goes a the follower of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. So a Peter, in, a, in one sense, he, he's doing the right thing. He's accused and is guilty of following Jesus. But when confronted with that fact, Jesus, Peter says, I don't know the man. Peter's response to accusation. But then we, it's, 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 he's not the only one who has to deal with the accusation. We see here that the text that we're looking at, it is sandwiched between or uh, um, juxtaposition between uh, Peter's denial and the soldier's response to this accused one. The accused one in this case is Jesus Christ. So the soldiers' response, because remember now, there's always a response. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are living for Jesus Christ, if you're really living a life that's peculiar and different, there's always going to be a response. You don't have to say any words. You don't have to speak anything. You don't have to say anything. There is going to be a response to your life. The soldiers now respond to Jesus. In their response, they respond by verbally, visually, and physically trying to humiliate Jesus Christ. They fashion a crown and they put it on his head. The scripture tells us that they not only put it on his head, but they begin to repeatedly hit him on the head with the crowns of thorns on his, his head they place upon him a purple robe and begin to bow before him saying hail king of the jews belittling him demoralizing our savior jesus christ but they didn't stop there they not only uh uh they they also mocked him for who he claimed to be or who the people said he was this is now their response to the accused because they don't know what to do with or how to react to this one that seems not to have anything in response to what they're doing. They begin to demoralize him. I don't know about you, but one of the things that makes me very uncomfortable is someone who's quiet. You ever been in a room with someone who's quiet? Everybody else is talking and there's just that that person that sits there. like quiet people you know why I don't know what they're thinking huh if 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 I'm speaking to you and we're having a conversation then I sort of get an idea of what you're thinking and 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 what your what your views are but when you sit there and you're just quiet I start wondering what is this person thinking about me they must think I'm an idiot I don't, I don't know it could be that's what they're thinking about me but I never get to know what they're thinking why they never say anything They're just quiet, so it becomes uncomfortable when someone is just quiet. Here, Jesus, this is the one who could call down a thousand angels to come and deliver him from this. He does nothing. The soldiers don't quite know what to make of him, so what they do is in reaction to the accusation or the accused, they begin to mistreat him. As believers, one of the things that we must be prepared for that because we are different in this world that does not understand how a Savior could die for us to save us from our sins. One of the things that we must be prepared for is that people will react violently when we don't respond in the way that they expect them to respond. Dr. Martin Luther King, who was an advocate of nonviolence, went into neighborhoods that espoused violence with nonviolence. Because of that, they reacted to him in a way that, in many times, would not make sense. Why would you, if someone is not being violent towards you, why would you be violent towards them? Why? Because it was a response of not understanding why someone, if you are, if I'm attacking you, why won't you attack me back? Jesus did not do that. In the same way, the whole idea of being nonviolent and confronting violence is a, it's almost like a misnomer. You hit me, I hit you. But Jesus says, if someone hits you, turn the other cheek. Now, Dr. Patterson, I assume that you're someone like me, sir. This is a big assumption. I'm just going by the way I've heard you speak. Uh, um, You know, someone hits you more than likely, if you're like me, you're probably going to want to hit them back. Just an assumption on my part, sir. But, but here we see the soldiers attacking Jesus, um, demoralizing, and guess what he does? says nothing. We should try that one day. We should go into a room in one of our meetings, right? Trustees, we should try that. We go into the room, and, and everybody's talking, and just maybe a couple of us just sit there and say nothing. I wonder what response we would get. Silence becomes a way of communicating without having to communicate verbally. Here Jesus communicates to these soldiers and they react to it by being violent. But then the the, the reaction or, or, or the response to or the accusations to Jesus does not stop there. We see here that Pilate not knowing what to do with this Jesus who is standing before him accused to be crucified tries to figure out Jesus is saying nothing so he says to him are you really the king of the Jews is that really who you claim to be he says nothing Pilate trying to to, to justify this man uh, says says to him uh, uh, so again Pilate says Aren't you going to answer? Aren't you going to say something to the fact that they're making these accusations against us uh, or against you? Aren't you going to have some kind of answer? And Jesus says, nothing. Pilate has to figure out what am I going to do with this guy because he won't give me anything to work with. So he begins to think to himself, well, you know what? This is what I'll do. Usually I will release to the people uh, someone during this time as a act of sell cele- or a act, a way of joining in the celebration during this time of the Passover. I will release uh, someone accused to the people. He says to them, I will release this Jesus, who is known to be the king of the Jews. And the people turn on him and reject. They reject his offer of releasing Jesus Christ. He does not know what to do. And he he asks the question, What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate is now confirmed. He's confused, he's not knowing what to do. He 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 sees Jesus here, who is, is now slated to be crucified, and he's not saying anything, he's not trying to mount a defense, and now he has the people who he's trying to turn him free, loose him free to, who are now saying, No, crucify him, and he doesn't understand why. And they shout, crucify him. He asks them why. What crime has he committed? Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the gospel made flesh, did not have to speak or say anything. His life had already determined and spoke enough for him. When the, uh, the disciples of John the Baptist come to Jesus, because John the Baptist is now sitting in jail, and, you know, in my uh, this is just my assumption, please don't, this is not what the scripture says, this is Andre's assumption. He's sitting in jail, Jesus never come to visit him, he's figuring if you're really the Messiah, you would have at least come to see me in prison. So he sends his disciples and says, would you go check this guy out and find out, is he really the Messiah or are we waiting for someone else? What does Jesus respond to him? He doesn't he didn't respond by saying, go back to John and tell him what I've said. He goes, says to them, go back to John and tell him what you've seen. It's his actions or what he's doing that speaks louder than words. Jesus Christ in his silence speaks louder than words as he's slated to be crucified. Pilate again does not know what to do. He says, but but they shouted again, even louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate then says he will release Barabbas. We must be very careful as believers that when we are being accused, when we are being buffeted, That we don't give in to the cry of the crowd. That we don't acquiesce and respond by giving in to what the crowd is saying or what the world says of us. We must always make sure that we are standing for the cause of Jesus Christ. So we may be accused of being. As Dr. Patterson has said uh, this this week, he, he uh, the whole idea of being uh, the conservative movement. If we are cons- if we are being accused of that, that 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 nasty word of being conservative evangelicals, we must make sure that we stand upon the principles that we know that we have been taught from Scripture, and now not. Now acquiesce or begin to change our views because of the accusations or because of being buffeted or because of being talked about. We must always like Jesus Christ know when to speak and when not to speak. Jesus in the midst of all this accusation in the midst of all this chaos remains silent. Pilate, in his, not in his response to this, says, he responds in this way. He had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. Pilate gave in to the pressure of the crowd, even though he knew Jesus was, was innocent. He handed him over to be flogged. So we've seen here the reaction of Peter. It's been the denial. The soldier's response has been to buffet or to humiliate Jesus Christ. Pilate's response has been to now hand Jesus over to the will of the crowd. He's flogged and he's now being led off to be crucified. But it's important for us to now look at Jesus' response because he's our example. It says here, Uh, The beginning of chapter 15. It says very early in the morning. The chief priests with the elders. The teachers of the law. And the whole Sanhedrin. Made their plans. It is important to understand. That as believers. We are in the midst of a battle. The Bible tells us. That we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Understand that. Though we may not see a physical war or a warfare going, around on or going on around us we are in a battle and this is not a haphazard battle this, the enemy is very strategic in what he's doing see what he's done is he's studied us over many years and he knows the things that can get us to fall the temptations the things that tempt us To be, to drag us away from Jesus Christ. So here the Sanhedrin, they already had planned. The enemy had already planned what they wanted to do with this Jesus. They wanted to kill him. And they had already strategized how they were going to do it. Understand, they could not bring him before Pilate with some accusation about their Jewish law. They had to make it be that he was committing treason. Breaking Roman law. So they had a plan. Please understand that the enemy has a plan for us. The enemy wants to destroy us and everything that we stand for. He's already put plans in place for us. To try and stifle. The attempt of the, uh, the, the leaders of the Jews was this. So they bound Jesus. Understand that the plan of the enemy is always to bind our message. It's always to muzzle who we are. It's always to make sure that we never get to to speak the name of Jesus Christ or to live like Jesus Christ. It's always to stifle who Jesus has called us to be. Because if we really truly live out this gospel, this good news, then our world will be transformed. So the enemy's plan is to stifle that to make sure that that does not happen. So it says here, they bound Jesus and led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate's first question of Jesus is, are you the king of the Jews? In other words, is your message authentic? My question to us today, myself and to us today is, is our message of Jesus Christ authentic? Do we really have, do we really believe we have what the world needs? Do we really believe it? If we really believe it, then guess what? It will affect the way we raise our families. It will affect the way we do business. It will affect the way, the way we live, the way we act, the things that we do if we really do believe if we're the only ones with the message that can transform this world and we believe it are we acting like it are we responding like it Jesus the reason why he could be silent in the midst of all these accusations because he really truly believed that he was the Son of God the Messiah the one who had to be crucified so that we would be set free he remained silent in the midst of these accusations and being buffeted why because he saw Andre Palmer he saw Dr. Patterson he saw Mrs. Patterson he saw you. He saw me. So it, 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 in Jesus' estimation, we were worth more than him having to, uh, to defend himself. So he remained silent. It's as you say, he says to Pilate. This is what you say of me. The chief priests continued to accuse him with many things. And Pilate asked the question, aren't you going to respond to them? And Jesus says nothing. I would like to submit to you that actions speak louder than words. And in Jesus' estimation of being silent, it spoke volumes about who he was and what his mission was. He did not have to justify himself. And I want to submit to you that there are times that we as believers should make our actions speak for us. Our silence should speak for us more than the words that we want to respond with. If we are living out the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we're living lives that portray who we are in Jesus, let our lives speak. Let them be able to look at our lives and accuse us of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Because what the world is looking for is action. They've seen enough of the... Hmm? Huh? They've seen enough of the talk. If lives are truly going to be changed by this gospel of Jesus Christ, it means that people need to be able to look at us. And see that we're different. Many of us are the only Bible that people are going to see. They will never crack open these scriptures. Though we find these scriptures, we find life in it. They'll never open it. Because for them it's foolish. But guess what they're going to do? They're going to look at me. They're going to look at you. And make a determination whether or not the gospel of Jesus Christ is truly real. I end by saying this. We are at a point in our world where it is past time that believers begin to act like believers. To live like believers. To behave like believers. Enough of the talk. Let Our quiet assurance speak volumes for us and go places for us that our words could never take us. Amen.